Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another riveting episode of the <laughs> Unveiling Grace podcast. My name is Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote, and that is no exaggeration. Our last several episodes, well, I don't know, we're up to five or six or seven, something like that, with Teresa. Six! Has been absolutely amazing as she's told her story. And we think we might be in the final episode. Um, where we ended last week, Teresa's um, moved away from the compound to add insult to injury, she gets pulled over. And when they run her license, they found out they find out there's been a warrant out for her arrest from back in Texas. She spends a weekend in jail. Um, and now she's like really mad at life <laughs> in the world. Because why, as the victim, is she being the one who's being punished for all the stuff that's been going on? And in the middle of all this somewhere, her sister invites her to go to a Christian church. Which, if I understood you correctly, Teresa, you only did that because it was your sister who was asking. If it would have been anybody else, you would have probably just given them a flat out no. Um, and you're in Montana at this point. I was still in. I Wyoming. was still in Wyoming. Wyoming. Oh. Okay. Oh, and she's Fine. also met a guy. She's met a single guy who mm-hmm. becomes the love of her life, who is also um, from the same polygamous background, but had never been married, and yeah. is actually a peer. He's within a few years of her. So. Okay, so Teresa, talk to us about going to this like Christian church for the first time. Okay, <laughs> I, I'll have to say that I was not angry at God. Sometimes okay. I wondered if there was somebody that really, you know, really, really cared. But my sister had been talking to me about, you know, things that she had learned and somebody had, you know, given her these songs to listen to. Anyway, she actually sent me the song of Shoulders from Working in Country. Sing it. Oh, yeah. And oh, it's an amazing song. I would listen to that song over and over. Like, there's got to be somebody that has me on their shoulders. Mm. <laughs> there's got to be somebody. So I never got angry at God. Although when I got arrested sitting in prison or in jail and I was that was probably the closest I ever came to being angry at God because <laughs> I was felt like I was being punished for somebody else's mistakes. And not only that, it happened to be Nate's birthday and I was angry. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's so tell, if you don't mind doing just a little segue here, can you kind of tell us what your perception of God? So when you thought about God, because obviously everything is being done in the name of God, um, everything, mm-hmm. you know, Warren Jeffs is God's prophet. He's his mouthpiece. How do you view God at this point in your life or, you know, from that polygamous background lens? Just give us a little bit about when you thought about God, what image came to mind? Well, he was a God that could change at any time, almost, is the way that Warren, mm. I mean, because Warren would change the rules so often, you know, in the name of God, that the rules would change that he was constantly he wasn't constant he wasn't a constant god he changed okay you know 
at one point, my dad, you know, I remember Warren saying amazing things about my dad. And then now my dad was, you know, one of the worst people on earth and he gets sent away. You know, so things were always changing and I wasn't sure what God was up to. What next? You know, yeah. what is he going to do next to punish us? Almost is the way that I felt about it, you know. And and did you use the term God? Because we never did Mormonism. We called him Heavenly uh, no. Father. He was Heavenly Father. Okay. Yeah. He was Heavenly Father. And... Yeah. So to me, a really punitive kind of guy, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Yes. Punitive and um, requiring unpredictable. Yeah. He was. Yes. Okay. Huh. So I I did agree to go to this church service and sat down in the back. Um, <laughs> you know they start singing and you know everybody has their hands up in the air and that was just strange in and of itself that was not normal usually you sat down or you know you stood up and held a hymn book and you know sat back down and sat real still and listened to church so this was a very different church from anything I'd ever seen or experienced and has that you know everybody's singing and stuff then um, they invited people to come up and you know give their life to Christ or you know rededicate their life to Christ and you know there a lot of people are walking up to the front and my sister's like oh let's go up there and I said oh no I'm, I'm good <laughs> back <okay>. here <laughs> you, you go do your thing I'm, I'm good back here and so she went up there for a minute she came back, grabbed my hand, and drug me up there. Wow. <laughs> so now I'm standing up in the front, and everybody has their arms up in the air, you know, <laughs> singing these songs that I don't really know, and I don't remember the song. <laughs> but um, it just repeated, you know, how much Jesus loves us and how much, you know, God loves us in his grace and you know, by then I finally at least unfolded my arms and opened them to let him in. <laughs> oh, wow. So did so, you feel an authenticity from the people there? Yes. That was the thing. Like, I didn't feel judged, even though it was strange and different. I didn't feel judged that I didn't have my hands up in the air, that I actually had my arms folded for a little bit. Eventually then, you know, they opened enough that I could, they weren't up in the air, but they opened. Yeah. And I was able to let the true God in and it hit me um, of how much he actually loved me Wow! and how much he was, you know, doing for me, even though I didn't know it. And I started to cry and I'm not much of a crier. Um, (laughs) So that was it. It really just, it hit me so much that I didn't know how to handle it. The emotion, you know, of having someone love me that much. Yeah. So. Well, wow, in one visit, that's, <laughs> I mean, obviously the Holy Spirit was working in your heart for a while then, right? Because that's amazing to get to that point. Yes. Just walking into a Christian church for the first time. <laughs> you obviously had a heart for God. Uh, like I said, I, I did used to listen to that song quite a bit. Um, and I don't know if it was before that. It was probably after that church service that I started to listen. And I loved the song of, 
Why God from Austin French. I think that's who sings it called Why God. And that was my song for a while. Just asking him why. Yeah. <laughs> and it, either yeah. it was right before, like it had either popped up on my YouTube, um, like to listen to or something. And so I know, like, you know, God really was working on me long before I ever walked into that room that he had shown me love and, you know, that through every experience and I've talked about a lot of crazy experiences that he was there. And that's what I knew and understood in that moment is that he was there, that he had helped me and been there for me through all of that. Now at this point, are you married to Jay? No. Um, you guys are still dating. We were still dating. After that, then I moved over to Montana and we got married in 2020, October of 2020. Then we got married. Okay. Um, <laughs> had really started to build a life together. Um, we we're trying to build a new home and, you know, I, and just learning, you know, from that, that church service on then just learning about God, you know, actually picking up the Bible and reading parts of it, you know, because we definitely had quite a few debates over it. And, you know, eventually then he would say, oh, okay, I understand it, you know, but he always had to understand things. If if it wasn't explained well, then he didn't agree with it. If it wasn't explained well, again. Yeah. Well, I mean, good for him for wanting to make sure he understood what the concepts were before agreeing to them. I mean, that yes. way he's when he does accept it, he's accepting it because, okay, he's come to the conclusion that, all right, that really is true. So he was willing to accept then the Bible as scripture, as an authority then, as a source of truth. So he didn't really want to read the Bible. Um, I There was a gal at that church service that I've stayed in connection with quite a bit. Anyway, I was talking to her about it and she's like, you know, you should try this passion translation. So I got a passion translation and I love that version. And that was like he was willing to sit there and let me read to him out of the passion translation cool. and he enjoyed okay. it quite a bit. So, yeah. Um, so did you have um, any particular scripture or books or portions that became especially meaningful to you as you began to read things that kind of jumped out um, that God used to, I don't know, continue to draw your heart to his? <laughs> I think that, you know, more than anything was trying, and it's still this way, you know, trying to separate the the false doctrine that was taught, the, you know, the theology behind a lot of the FLDS stuff. I finally was like, you know, I, I just need you to come to one of these services. Like, you need to come to church with me. So he finally agreed to. And he didn't say much. And he wouldn't come up to the front, even when I tried to make him. <laughs> but... um so I went up to the front for a little bit. I came back and he was a mess. He was in tears. He was just crying and I uh, he couldn't stop it. And, you know, I went and found some other people and I said, will you come pray over him? He just, you know, and I, he didn't ever talk a whole lot about it, but I think that he really learned to, um, he felt God's love in that moment, just mm-hmm. like I did, you know, that yeah. the emotion hit and there's no way to control it yeah so well having a sense because so let's go back to how you viewed god how you viewed heavenly father within 
the FLDS religion. And Lynn, feel free to jump into here too, because I know there's parallels, because pretty much it's the same um, false god that's been reimagined and represented by men as a tool to use for control. Um, but how much relationship were you encouraged to have with Heavenly Father within like the FLDS? Or was he just simply there as a, some, just somebody you obeyed and respected and, you know, you don't really so, relate to, I don't know. <laughs> I think that, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this, but when it actually hit me who Heavenly Father was to us, was on my way to Gillette. I'm listening to some comedians and this comedian gets on and she was talking about Catholicism. Okay. And she was talking <laughs> about how they had to go to, you know, they had to go to one person, then the next person, the next person until they got to God and that person would talk to God for them. And that's when it hit me. I'm like, that is just how it was for us. Oh, yeah. That this we could go directly <laughs> to him. Like we we were taught that we should go to our priesthood head, whether that be our father or our husband, and they would go to the prophet and the prophet would go to God. Oh, we'd go to okay. Heavenly Father and talk to Heavenly Father and he would receive revelation from Heavenly Father for us. And, you know, if the prophet was too busy, then maybe um, Heavenly Father could give some revelation <laughs> to our priesthood head. But, yeah, wow. that's, it was definitely not a direct connection with him. Okay. Like we could talk to him and we were supposed to pray to him, but, you know, he didn't talk back to us, if that makes sense. Yeah. Lynn? Well, I just, I just wanted to ask, so was there a point where you were all in? with this new faith and this Bible thing? And did he ever get to that point? <laughs> um, so, yes, there was a point when I said I'm all in. Um, Jay passed away this year um, in April. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so cancer. sorry. And it was three weeks from day of diagnosis to day of death. Um, oh, so he was 30, 34. Yes. Oh, my heart, Teresa. I had no <laughs> idea. Wow. So, and so what you're saying is that's was part of the catalyst for being <laughs> all in with God. Yes. Um, I talked a lot to God and I, you know, I had been praying and I had been reading and stuff. But when Jay got diagnosed, you know, um, trying to navigate and separate from what we were taught to what was the truth. And um, Psalms 91, I read that a lot. That one was read over and over. But um, when he was actually dying, we were actually in Mayo Clinic in Arizona. Um, they pretty much told me there's nothing we can do he's you know and i'm just like no you know this isn't how it was supposed to <laughs> this isn't oh, how it was supposed to go yeah and um as i'm sitting there by his bed you know praying and reading scripture and everything then i finally told him i just said okay i i get it <laughs> I, i'm i'm all yours whatever it is that you're asking me to do I'm all yours. Wow. So that wow. is when I said I was all in. <laughs> wow. Well, and that 
is nothing short of a spiritual miracle and a sign that God was truly at work in your heart because without the work of the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you don't come through a crisis with that response. No, no, wow. you don't. And having him there, what's amazing to me is that as I, you know, I sat there and, you know, trying to deny what was actually going on and not accept that he was passing, you know, um, a lot of emotions and everything. I, it just hit me and I said, okay, you know, this isn't death, this is life. And as soon as I started saying that, you know, see, I hadn't slept in 24 hours. And yeah. as soon as I started telling God that, that I knew that this was life, not death, then I actually fell asleep and slept for a little bit. And yeah. Just, okay. And this was, it, it was, this after, was how long ago now? Um, April of this year, April 30th this year. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. So. So if I'm just a little bit stunned because I'm listening to your story and I'm like seeing all this joy and all God's movement and no idea that you have this whole part of your story, Teresa. Um, because, right, God places in our life the perfect man yes. who's a little bit older. He has the same background, so he totally gets you. He's yeah. not out for 10 wives at least he was <laughs> no. satisfied and loving you and you're 31 years old and you can do that only yeah. through only through the love of god right does bitterness not take over a life at that point yeah. and that is very true and that's why i say you know that god was in this he saw that i needed day for those couple of years we were only together for four years he saw that i needed him wow. he saw that i really truly needed that and that it would you know help me through some you know like going through that thing with being arrested and going to texas jay was <laughs> a big support to me through that jay and was your rock he was very much my rock and he just was the person that God, you know, wanted me to have a little bit of time with, but he, yeah. he continued to show me the love to the good. How the old bad. are your kids, Teresa now? And are um, they in faith? Yes. My daughter is 14 and my son's 12. Um, it's been quite, you know, a journey from, you know, the first time I went to a church service to, to now they love going to youth group. And I love that, but they, you know, but I really enjoy that. But they yeah. are able to find a connection that I didn't have yeah. as a kid. So they've got a community of like-minded friends yes. around them. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, that's all I can say is that it's, you know, through this, I couldn't, I probably couldn't even hold myself together, let alone be there for them if it wasn't for the love and the grace that Jesus has for me. And God used you to bring Jay to have an encounter with him. That's so, yeah. So it went both ways. What are you doing now? Are you working? No, um, <laughs> I, I haven't started back at any kind of a job per se. Um, I'm actually trying to finish up our new home. It got, um, it was completed about the same week 
that Jay passed. Um, so oh, wow. I'm just doing the finishing touches on that uh, as far as like um, getting driveway and stuff like that. So just working through stuff like that. Um, God is truly amazing. Um, after Jay got sick, then actually <laughs> it was right before we realized how sick he was. Then he had applied for some life insurance and God, like he lined that up. I mean, I, wow. there's no way that this could be done without him, you know, but it, it lined up and Jay got approved, even though he actually was sick during the time, but we didn't know that he was sick. He just had a cough, you know? So yeah. Oh God. <laughs> so he's taking care of you provisionally, yes. but this is such a powerful story. When you first called me, I don't think you told me everything. <laughs> Maybe feeling me out as well, right? And when I got a little more of the scope of the story, I was just overwhelmed. Oh, Lord, this story has got to get out there, right? And, then, well, yeah. and that's, I guess, you know, after I told God I was all in, then that's what I felt is that my story needed to get out there. But this is his story, not mine. It's a story of his love, his grace, his, you yeah. know his guidance through a very difficult, you know, traumatic life that he and, is the one that held me together. I'm still in one piece. <laughs> yeah. Wow. One <laughs> piece and well. radiating incredible, just joy and peace, Teresa. It's like I said, yeah. That was Do you speechless, have a so. favorite scripture? Um, so I don't just have, like I said, Psalms 91, that Psalm one 91. I read a lot. Um, yeah. I had found um, one that I thought was something that spoke about my life quite a bit um, <laughs> and this story of how good God is. But this is Psalms 86, verse 5. Okay. Um, Lord, you are so good to me, so kind in every way and ready to forgive. For your grace fountain keeps overflowing, drenching all your devoted lovers who pray to you. And then if you skip down to verse 12, with all my heart and passion, I will thank you, my God. I will give glory to your name always and forever. You love me so much and you have placed your greatness upon me. You rescued me from the deepest place of darkness and you have delivered me from a certain death. Oh. Wow. There's nothing more to be said. No, that's a phenomenal that way to end. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Teresa, so much for sharing. Um, so if you had one encouraging thing to say, if we've got somebody who may be in the FLDS community or in a polygamous community or in any of the numerous offshoots of the LDS faith or even in the LDS faith itself, what encouragement, where would you encourage them to turn to find the freedom and peace and joy that you have? Well, I guess I would encourage them to pick up the Bible, but also start looking for the people that will talk about him with you. That, you know, isn't always, a lot of times people don't want to talk about it or talk about him. So find the people that are willing to, to talk about him with you, that you can talk about how you feel about certain things that you can sort it out and you know, a lot of it you have to sort out with 
with Jesus and with God, but also having somebody that you can um, talk to and have them, yeah. you know, ask them questions and they can point you to certain scriptures because that really has helped me a lot is okay. that, you know, I had people that I could call um, after that first church service. Then I met up with a couple people, you know, that um, even through Jay's, you know, cancer and through his sickness, then I was able to call them and say, okay, I, you know, I need something, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and they were able to point me to different scriptures and, you know, so that's, that's what I would encourage people to do is, is definitely pick up your Bible and start reading. But sometimes it's so overwhelming. It was for me to know what part to start where, Yeah, you know, where yeah. do I start? What do I, what do I read first? So. Well, I, I love that, Teresa. I love the fact that you're encouraging people to find people who are so in love in Jesus. So they're so in love with Jesus, they're willing to talk about him. Yes. And then, yeah, connect with those people. Wow, Lynn. Yeah. This has been amazing. I'm, I'm glad we were able to give this some time because, um, because he deserves um, honor and glory for the things that he does in people's yes. lives. And our circumstances do not mean that he's not pleased with us. Just because we have hard times does not mean that we've done something wrong. But yeah. um, we find him often in those hard times, and then that's precious to us. Grace and peace to you, my friends. Teresa, I love you. This has just been wonderful. Thank you. May God all the glory. Amen. For sure. Thank you, Teresa. Yeah. So long. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.